What's up, boxing fans? We're talking Lemieux versus Stevens, looking ahead to Triple G versus Daniel Jacobs, and this day in boxing history. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. It's been a little while, everybody. But it's time to fight. It's time to fight again. It's been, I think, four months since we've done a boxing show. Way too long. I'm so sorry I've been gone for a while. I'm Jared Gilkerson here for the AfterBuzz TV Boxing After Show, talking some Lemieux versus Stevens. But before we dive in and talk about the fights last night on HBO, you can find us live on YouTube right now. That's probably where you're watching us. Also on iTunes, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Use the hashtag ABTV Boxing. I'm at Gilkerson Radio on Twitter, always talking boxing on there. And also we have the live chat room on YouTube right now. Chime in, and uh, my good producer will flash up the phone number too if you want to call up and have some hard-hitting questions for me or predictions or uh, you know what's next for each fighter or just want to talk about something random. I'm up for whatever. You don't have to stay the course. So without further ado, last night's fights on HBO, two completely different fights last night. I'm not even going to waste my time on your Yorkis Gamboa versus Rene Alvarado. Uh, lightweights, catchweight 132, uh, unanimous decision for Gamboa. That's about all that has to be said about that fight. Pretty boring fight. Not much accuracy from either fighter. So why waste any more time on that fight? Let's get to the juicy stuff. David Lemieux versus Curtis Stevens. Middleweights. Everybody knew this fight was going to be action-packed. Both fighters threw a lot of punches. Both fighters tend to get hit. Uh, some trash talking before the fight. And this is why people turned up at Turning Stone Resort and Casino there in New York to watch the fight. Um, and the HBO announcer said that David Lemieux looked a little flabby, a little out of shape. Um, I didn't think he looked that bad. He's never been a really jacked or ripped fighter. Uh, but Curtis Stevens looked pretty good um, physically. But uh, just to recap the fight before we show some highlights, quick one. Uh, David Lemieux wins by an incredible knockout in the third round. One of the most devastating knockouts, just like Max Kellerman said, that I've seen, that anybody has seen in a long time. Stevens was out. I mean, out cold, but not just for, you know, you you typically see a fighter get knocked out and then they kind of come to, uh, you know, five, ten seconds later. This took a while, and it was a bit scary. Um, you know what? Let's roll the highlights and take a look at last night's big Lemieux and Stevens fight. Nice little recap here. HBO puts them together beautifully. They have to show the entrances. Uh, here we go. Round one was brutal. I mean, both fighters connecting with some hard shots, but David Lemieux was hitting the more cleaner, effective punches in the first round to the body, to the head, and it caused Stevens to kind of slow down and not throw for chunks at a time and we'll see the punch stats later uh, well, Lemieux is much more accurate. Uh, we go to the second round where it looked like Lemieux might have been slowing down uh, but of course you know that was just for 30 seconds or so but here you go round three unreal knockout Stevens almost fell out of the ring I mean just right on the chin buttoned up you know not a 
huge winding punch. Uh, you don't need that. You know, compact, tight punch, just like Joe Lewis, like Roy Jones Jr. said. David Lemieux. Big win for the middleweight last night. Um, this was a this was a huge um, this was a huge win for Lemieux because he, you know he came off of that uh, Triple G fight where uh, you know Triple G trounced him. He he Triple G makes everyone look ordinary, and you forget that Triple G is so good. Uh, the way that we you know boxing fans looked at David Lemieux for the past few years is that really dangerous hard puncher really good top 10 middleweight. But ever since, you know, Canelo's name's been in the middleweights and Triple G, guys like this can kind of get buried and you forget how good they are. And you saw that great punch. I mean, Lemieux is a legit top five or six middleweight, in my opinion. Um, he's 37 and three now. Um, always a dangerous hard puncher. So, what does he do next? I mean, this was that he made quick work of Curtis Stevens. HBO has got to keep this guy on their on their cards. If you have a big pay per view, put him on the you know co main. This guy's going to draw crowds. Um, people know his name. He's been around for long enough now, and he's only twenty eight years old. But I was looking at some names in the middleweight division. Um, anyone in the top ten will do. And then you've also got. A dream matchup, which I would love to see in a lot of fighters, but it would I don't think it would ever happen. I would love to see David Lemieux versus uh, Miguel Cotto, but Cotto doesn't seem to want to fight, you know, past 155 or 156. And Cotto is kind of on his, you know, swan song tour. Um, so I don't think he's going to go in with a dangerous fighter. But legitimate fights will be, you know, a rematch against Triple G down the line. But if you want to make it more interesting, say Triple G versus Daniel Jacobs, which we will preview here in a sec. The loser of Triple G versus Danny Jacobs fights David Lemieux. I would love that. I mean, you've got just all the top five guys fighting each other. Why not? A few other options. Go get a belt against Billy Joe Saunders. Or, like David Lemieux mentioned after the fight, Canelo. You know, he fights uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. soon here in Vegas in a couple of months. But, um, you know, I think Canelo, since we know that him and his team are only interested in making big name fights, maybe not the best fights, um, does Lemieux carry, and that was my chair, just to let you know, <laughs> um, Lemieux, does he carry a big enough name, you know, to fight a guy like Canelo and will they make enough money? I don't know, but that would be a hell of a fight. Uh, Lemieux, much like Canelo, can rehydrate. As we saw, he came in the ring tonight at 177 pounds. Um, who just joined the chat here? Someone's chiming in here. Queen Burnett, cool. Not sure what you meant by that one, but uh, interesting chat. Um, if you got any questions, join us on YouTube like usual. Um, we'll put the number up for you guys to call. I also tweeted it out, at Gilkerson Radio, so you can go check out my Twitter and uh, and chime in. I know that uh, that my brother Ian was uh, possibly talking about chiming in, and I, I believe he texted me. I'm going to text him live on the air because it really doesn't matter. Um, Ian, if you're watching, the chat is on the YouTube page. There's a little chat icon if you're logged in, and uh, call us up. Uh, you can call us up. Uh, we'll put the number up for you. Call in right now. We'll take calls. Talk a little boxing. Um, but to get back to Lemieux, I think. 
there's a lot of options for him now. Anybody in the top 10. Um, I don't know realistically what's going to happen. He might. Uh, I I could see him getting matched up with Billy Joe Saunders. But the big picture is he stays in the top five. He keeps his name relevant against Triple G, Canelo. Um, those are the two kings of the division. And so his name now for the next for the rest of 2017 will be involved with them. Uh, maybe into 2018. So big up to David Lemieux. I mean, he, he showed up last night. He knocked the hell out of Curtis Stevens and, you know, proved he's, you know, one of the better middleweights, you know, minus those first two, the two Kings of the division. As for Curtis Stevens, you know, he was making this fight interesting, um, catching Lemieux with great shots. And then he just got caught. I mean, but that's the name of the game. You know, you get caught with one shot, your night's over. But he's no pushover. Um, I don't think he's a top 10 middleweight. He's more of a top 20 middleweight. Um, But I think he needs to get, you know, reassess, get healthy. That was a brutal knockout. Take some time. Come back against someone where you think you could win. And then by the end of 2017, come back into the fold. I would love to see a rematch against Lemieux. I don't know who wouldn't. You know, he changes game plan a little bit, maybe not get caught with those big shots, um, and then land flush on Lemieux again. And I, I think a rematch would be an incredible fight. But first, I'd like to see Lemieux face off against a few other top 10 guys. You know, that would be exciting. Maybe get a belt from from Saunders and then come back and fight Stevens again. But I hope Stevens is okay. It was a brutal knockout. Um, you know, if you if you go back and look at the punch stats, the power punches. I mean, David Lemieux landed 56% of his power punches, 67 of 120 to Curtis Stevens, 39%, 32 of 82. Total punches was uh, 93 of 266 for Lemieux and uh, Stevens, 36 of 105, both around that 35% number. But you see that, you know, Lemieux threw 100, you know, 161 more punches. He was more accurate because his shots, you know, packed more of a punch. And then it forced Stevens to take a break and, you know, and cover up and, and get his legs back underneath him. So impressive last night. Um, the crowd needed it after the Gamboa fight earlier. Definitely needed it. So big ups to David Lemieux. And we'll turn the page to our, uh, to our, our, our big fights next week. As you can hear my notes, if you're just listening on iTunes, these notes are very extensive. Um, they're, just, they're just great as I take a sip of water. So uh, sit patiently. Thanks for that. Um, let's move on. We got a pay-per-view next week. Gennady Golovkin versus Danny Jacobs. You know, I was looking at the numbers. What, what can you say? Gennady Golovkin, a nine-year KO streak. Started in November of 2008. Not even Obama was president at that point. That was, that was the tail end of, of President Bush. So he has not <laughs> taken a fight to a decision since June of 2008. That was the last time a fight of his went to the decision. He's 36-0 and 0 with 33 KOs. Devastating. And then a lot of people go back and say, well, he had, who has he fought? Well, I'll give you a list of pretty good fighters he's fought. Gabriel Rosado, uh, Nubahiro Ishida, Curtis Stevens, who we saw get knocked out last night, Daniel Giel, Marco, Antonio Rubio, Martin Murray, David Lemieux, and Kel Brook. If you're a casual fan, you say, well, that doesn't sound very tough. Well, let's see who Daniel Jacobs has fought. His biggest names, Sergio Mora twice, Ishe Smith, and Peter Quillen. Peter Quillen was his best 
fight by far in his career. I mean, Quillen, uh, studly fighter, and then just got caught and it stopped in the first round. Uh, I didn't see it coming. A lot of fans didn't see that coming. Huge wins for Jacobs, and that, that kind of catapulted him into this position he's in now where he's fighting Triple G. And Triple G doesn't have the only impressive streak. The last fight, Daniel Jacobs, the last fight that he went the distance in was August of 2009. That's a 15-fight streak of something getting stopped early, you know, before the 12th round or whatever, a 10th round or 12th round. So we've got these two streaks. I mean, Jacobs did lose to the Michi Pirog in that streak, but... What I'm trying to get to is that each fighter is an action fighter. So if you're going to make a prediction at home, you know, I'd say the odds are don't say that things going to go to decision because it's been, you know, almost a decade for each fighter that they've gone the distance, which is just, it's just ridiculous when you look at these numbers. Um, and also the, the knockout percentage numbers. If you look at those, Triple G's knockout percentage number is 92%. And Jacob's nothing to you know sneeze at, 88%. So both of these guys are going to bring it. And Jacob's story is incredible. If you don't know his story, you know, watch the uh, 24-7 on HBO. You know, he had bone cancer and came back from that. And a doctor said he wouldn't fight again. And now he's, he's back in the ring and he's on this streak of victories. And now he's put himself in this position. Pretty incredible. Um, still a fairly, fairly young guy, so he's got time to get it done. But I was looking at some numbers, and Triple G in his last 10 fights, his opponents have averaged 2.2 losses. Pretty solid opponents. Jacobs, in his last 10 fights, his opponents have averaged 3.3 losses. So you look at the opponents I listed earlier. I, I listed eight pretty solid opponents for Gennady Golovkin, and, and, and three for Daniel Jacobs, four fights because Mora twice. And then the recent activity, what makes you think that Jacobs is going to win this fight? Where is the edge? You know, his competition has been down. Uh, you know, he's lost a fight before, which Gennady has never lost and never been in trouble in a fight. So if you're breaking this thing down, you know, it's going to be an action-packed fight. And, and I, you can't say it enough. Jacob's story is incredible. You know, to come back from bone cancer, you know, it's, he has incredible heart, incredible drive, incredible passion for the sport. You know, but with this huge step up in competition for Daniel Jacobs, this is a massive step up in competition. I don't think his passion and his drive and his heart is enough to win. Even though Triple G is still searching for that marquee fight, <laughs> Canelo, or anybody else in the middleweight division that avoids Triple G. His quality of competition is still better. We just listed it. Than Jacobs. Jacobs, you know, he, he's got zero quit in him. And I, I, he's the kind of fighter I think will tough it out. And last longer than many of Triple G's opponents. Uh, Triple G is coming off of his fight with Kel Brook. Where he was tagged a lot in that fight. And exposed, um, I guess you could say. Uh, Triple G would say otherwise. He would say that, you know, um, you know, he got hit. It was like sparring. I think that's what he said in the 24 7. Oh, it was like getting hit and sparring on the chin. It's, it's not much. It didn't, you know, it was nothing. But he lost some rounds against Kel Brook before finishing him off. So people say, oh, does he have holes in his game? You know, what's he going to do? So his defense, in my opinion, was a bit sloppy. 
uh, maybe a little too cocky, but he got the job done. But you usually don't see that with Triple G. And that's why I think this time around against Jacobs, you're going to see a much sharper Triple G. Um, you're going to see a guy who he doesn't want to come out and get tagged two fights in a row. That's that He just doesn't want to do that. Um, Jacobs, you know, he's the one advantage. If you're going to give Jacobs any kind of advantage, it's the he's the taller fighter. He's got the longer reach. And I believe his only chance for success against Triple G is that he uses that to his advantage and actually box. But we all know Daniel Jacobs likes to brawl and not box. But man, I'm telling you what, his management, his trainers, his team, himself, his family, what's better for him is to come into this match and realize this is a once in a lifetime match for him. A lot of money, you know, a lot of exposure. And I think what's best for him is to come out there and really test the waters. You know, if the crowd doesn't like it for a round or two, who cares? Figure out what's in front of you, you know, try to get a few jabs in and then, you know, get your feet under you and figure out what you can do to Triple G. You have 12 rounds to figure this out. That's his best chance. Jab, you know, uses reach, uses length, uses height. You know, but even with the high KO percentage I was talking about earlier, Triple G at 92%, Daniel Jacobs at 88%. I believe this is going to be a tactical fight in the first few rounds with, with triple G coming off of his last fight where he was tagged and or exposed. Like some people would say, you know, and, uh, and maybe lost a round or two. I think triple G is going to come out there maybe with, uh, he wants to obviously finish him, but you might see a more tentative triple G in that first two rounds where, you know, he's tagging him with good shots, but he's not trying to finish him off. And I think you're going to see a Daniel Jacobs who is going to maybe stay back. Um, I think round one is going to be a feeling out round, but eventually each fighter will get back to their, you know, their bread and butter, which is action, a lot of hard punches thrown. And I think by round two, this thing, this thing heats up. But, you know, Danny Jacobs has a lot of drive and I think he's got a decent, a decent chin on him. Not great. He was knocked out by Pirog. But I think he can. He's ready to take these shots from from Triple G. But Triple G is another beast. That guy's got incredible power, incredible accuracy. Um, and I guess we'll just do this right now. Let's get into this official AfterBuzz TV prediction on Triple G and Daniel Jacobs next week. And now, Beautiful sound. Your AfterBuzz TV prediction. I like that. I miss the lights, and it matches my shirt today, which is perfect, the green lighting, the Jake the Snake shirt. A little shout-out to Jake the Snake. Prediction here is Triple G, round eight, stoppage. I think that Danny Jacobs is going to take punishment, and uh, it's just going to be a slow decline more and more and more, and I think it's you're going to see a stoppage around round eight, and Triple G prevails. Uh, it's, you know, it's... It's going to be interesting to see what these pay-per-view numbers are going to be. Um, it, Triple G's pay-per-view numbers haven't been good. And that's one of the, I guess, uh, people say negative things about him. I and mean, when Canelo, you know, when he calls out Canelo, Canelo, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely concerned about, you know, how much it's going to sell. That's why he's fighting Julio Cesar Chavez in a couple of months. Canelo, that is. Because it's going to sell out and it's going to do crazy numbers on on pay per view. 
So people are worried about Golovkin's pay-per-view numbers and how much is moving the needle. And it's strange because I think Golovkin is, you see him on ESPN and you see him all over the place and he speaks English very well and he's marketed himself very well and he, you know, he wears the Jumpman stuff and he's, you know, Jordan sponsors him. And, and I just don't understand. He's such a good action fighter, but people aren't buying the pay-per-view. So something needs to happen. And, and, and I'm not sure why the uh, society as a whole is not grabbing onto it. But I'm telling you, if you're thinking about ordering this fight, order this fight. It's, it's going to be a great fight. Um, and hopefully an even, you know, a greater card as a whole. And um, I've always loved HBO's broadcast. They do a hell of a job. And uh, hopefully they can bring it this time around. So that's next week in, uh, I think, Madison Square Garden, I believe. So hopefully we'll all be watching. Um, Let's get into one of my favorite segments on this show. And it's this day in boxing history. And I had to tweak it a little bit because today, well, it's, it's March 12th. But I looked at some of the fights in, on March 12th, and I wasn't really inspired by what was on the list. But then I looked back to March 11th, which was last night. So last night was a fight night. So March 11th, March 11th, 1989, I was almost five years old. I was four years old. And there's these, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I've seen every great fight, but I've seen this fight. It was, they probably shown it on ESPN Classic a lot. The Ring, The Ring Magazine, The Ring, named the fight the best heavyweight fight of the 1980s. So without further ado, let's see what that fight was. Great fight. Evander Holyfield, Michael Dokes. It's, if you haven't seen the fight, it's all over YouTube. It's everywhere. ESPN, they repeat it on their classic channel. Um, if you've watched the show before, you know that Holyfield's one of my favorite fighters of all time. He was just, you know, he was a warrior. You know, that was his nickname as well. You know, there was, he was a great fighter. And this was only his third fight in the heavyweight division. And, I mean, you look back. Every guy he fought when he was on his way up was bigger than him. I mean, I believe Holyfield in this fight weighed like 206 pounds. Dokes was 225. You didn't have these hulking heavyweights like you do now that are 250, 245, 260, you know, six foot six. Um, so Dokes was, you know, a bigger, you know, it wasn't a bigger heavyweight, it wasn't like a foreman, but a bigger guy than Holyfield. And, and everyone thought that Holyfield didn't have enough punch, couldn't knock out heavyweights because he was a hell of a cruiserweight. And he moves up and uh, has a couple of fights and then has this Michael Dokes fight and then finishes him off. So he had all these rumors about Holyfield versus Tyson that was going to happen. So Holyfield has one more fight or two more fights, I think, after this. And then, as we all know, Mike Tyson loses to Buster Douglas. And Tyson and Holyfield doesn't happen until 96 in the rematch in 97. But um, a great fight. Watch watch Holyfield versus Dokes. It's a hell of a fight. Um and, you know, I'm, I'm sad I will not be here next week to recap Golovkin versus Jacobs. But I will be on Twitter, 
and I will be on social media and I, you know, I'll be available. Hit me up because I will be tweeting about the fight. Um, hopefully you'll be, all be watching live as well. And, uh, and hopefully the prediction is close. Eighth round stoppage. That's what I think. Send me your predictions on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Gilkerson Radio. You know, use the hashtag ABTVBoxing. Send us your predictions, what you think of the undercards. You know, just hit me up, and we'll talk some boxing. And then uh, the next time we're live, I think, is in April for a big show. We'll, uh, we'll talk about something else. But always feel free to hit me up about anything boxing. We're going to put a bow on this show today. And um, I'm going to say cheers. It's very good to be back. Uh, don't worry, it's only water. Um, and until the next time... I'm Jared Gilkerson, at Gilkerson Radio. No co-hosts. That's the only Twitter you need to worry about. You know, at AfterBuzzTV, that's a big one because they supply the studio. They supply the equipment, producers, writers, everybody here. It's a great crew. So until the next time, I'm Jared Gilkerson. See you later. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other aftershows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Box you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 